Wake up, wake up, fam, bam. It's your girl, Jess. Jess, be real. And welcome back to another episode of Jess Be Real Podcast. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get real. All right. Glad you guys came back to kick it with your girl. Uh, But we're going to have episode two, episode numero dos. And today we're going to be focusing on make mental health great again. If you think about it, was mental health ever really great? I mean, logically, yeah, but I don't think for people of color or African Americans in our community, we ever took the advantage of our mental health or took advantage of the opportunities with our mental health until like recently. Hmm. But we have the realist, Brianna Danielle Finley. She will be chatting with us today. And imagine being 27 with your own private practice. How dope is it that? Like, y'all can't even front like that's not even dope. Well, enough of me chatting. Let's get into it. All right, so we got the realist with us, B. So happy to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. The mental health expert, you know, straight out of, you know, based in D.C. I'm like, oh, she in the nation's capital, so she got all the access to the people. <laughs> but tell us a little about yourself, B. Okay, so um, many people call me B, but my name is Brianna Danielle Finley. So I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm licensed in both Maryland and D.C. Um, I work for outpatient clinic, um, but I'm placed inside Moton Elementary School in Southeast D.C. And then I have a private practice where I do therapy with adults. A private practice. Okay, and let people know how old you are because that was a whole list of bomb shit that you just, just dropped on the people. Okay. <laughs> I am 27. Ow. Coming, but yeah, I'm 27. You know, unfortunately, she's a Leo, but we're not going to go there. We're going to let her go. We're going to let her be great. (laughs) (laughs) But no, given that you are a mental health expert, and tell us about your your website, your org. Like, you you have a whole place where people can find you and get some information if they want to look a little further. Yes. So, actually, so some of my friends call me a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. Um, but everything is still rooted and focused primarily in mental health and your overall well-being. So you can find me at Therapy Works, so T-H-E-R-A-B-E-E, works.com. So therapy is basically short for therapy with B. Um, and so on there, it will link you to my private practice website. It will also link you to my self-care line, which is like body butters. Ooh. That kind of stuff. Um. And then right now I'm working on um, building courses for other social workers to kind of build their skills. So, you know, we're just moving along. Oh, so you pretty much know we was talking about last week, don't doubt a queen. So you a renaissance woman. Okay, heard you. Heard you. Heard you, queen. Heard you. Okay. So given that you do have a private practice and you're doing outpatient as well, how did you come to make a career in the mental health field? Because I know some people struggle sometimes to try to get their foot in the door to get like stable. I always knew that I wanted to help people. I always wanted to figure out why do people think the way they do? Why do people, you know, why their behavior is a certain way? What's motivating all those things? And so my last name is Finley. And so in school, like middle school, people used to joke and call me Dr. Phil or Finley or whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's so stupid. But, um, 
but I always knew like I wanted to help people. So initially my thought was I want to be a psychologist. So when it was time for me to apply for schools and things, I changed my major several times because I struggled with identifying, you know, was I going to go for a career field that made sense, that was kind of like a communications and business? Right. Was I going to go after what I really wanted in psychology because that's what I ultimately wanted. But I was like, psychology seems like there's no money there unless you get your doctorate, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. at that time, I know I'm going after my doctorate now. Oh, yes. Time, y'all heard that. She going after her doctorate, y'all. She going after her doctorate. <laughs> I wasn't interested. So one of my abnormal psych teachers, she was like, have you ever considered social work? I know another social worker, she charges the same that I charge for private practice. Like into that. And so I did. And once I got into social work, so one of the main ideas behind social work is really looking at the person in their environment. Right. How is the environment really just kind of impacting everything that happens in our lives? And I really attached to that idea. So, to be honest with you, every time God gives me a vision, I go after it, and he just kind of sees me through it. Like, so, of course, I mean, there's... Say that, say that again one time for the people. Would you re- repeat that one more time on this good Sunday, when, when God does what? When God gives you a vision, he equips you to make sure that it comes it comes to pass. Boom. Because I, so a lot of people do see me as a person who gets everything that I want, and everything just happens appropriately. When Manifestation. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not true. Like, I didn't initially get into the social work program. My admission was deferred. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, I, am I not going to get in? I already signed a lease to be here for next school year. But literally everything has always worked out. And really anything, I think what God knows our heart is pure for what we want to do. You better say and, it. You know, the door is just open. And so just the more and more I was out here, a lot of times with the social work field, everybody expects us to be kid-snatching social workers, right? Yeah. So I have had that job. I have been a foster care social worker where I help to reunify families or get kids in safe homes. And I've also been a CPS social worker who my job is to assess for safety. And if it's not safe, then little Juju got to go. Ooh, child. (laughs) But there was always this pull on my heart for mental health outside of just child welfare. And so I was like, how can I kind of do both? And I just, you know, I put my hand in the private practice and we just hit a year on May 11th. Hey, congrats, congrats. Thank you. But so yeah, with the private practice within a year, like my clientele has tripled. I now have employees working under me and I operate my private practice completely part-time. So it's been great. All right, okay. And I was going to ask you if possess your private practice, but you already answered that question. So, you know, we, we can just go on to the next. So, I know within the last few years, you have had a major loss um, with the loss of your mother. How has that impacted your mental health and also being able to assist others with theirs? Has that, like, kind of clouded a little bit? Has it been hard to try to differentiate between the two to kind of just know, okay, I got to put my professional hat on, but I'm still grieving myself. Like, what the hell am I about to do? So as you can imagine, that's the biggest loss right. um, that anybody could ever go through. So when we think about the last couple of years, I feel like I've lost family members, but they were older. They were like 85 plus. So in that instance, you're able to say, you lived your oh, life. I'm sad, but you lived your life. Right. Um, and then in 2014, I lost my line sister. Um, and that was the youngest death I ever experienced that hit that close. Wow. 
And that was an emotional roller coaster. I mean, literally for all of us. And I think that was the first time grief didn't feel normal. It didn't feel like, you know, right. oh, you lost your life. And so losing my mom, so I just lost my mom in September of 2019. And so that has been, the best way I can describe it is it's a sense of loneliness that I don't think that anybody could ever understand. So I'm an only child. My parents Whew. were divorced. So it's always been me and my mom. And it's like, as much as parents, you know, do things to get on your nerves. Okay, because that's their job. My mother would call me 25 times a day, literally wanting something sis could have put in a text message. <laughs> I mean, sometimes Sounds she like would Jackie. call me at like 11 o'clock. Yes, sometimes she would call me at 11 o'clock and be like, you home? And I'd be like, yeah, why? She'd be like, okay, good night. Yo, my mom be doing that all the time. She did that yesterday. I'm like, yo, sis, dead serious? Like, you don't got nothing better to do but to harass me? Seriously. That's it. But now, I'm like, yo, there's no one calling me every day. There's not a single soul who cares what my voice sounds like every single day. So it's really been like a fight of really just kind of like navigating loneliness. So like I'm a huge advocate for crying. I I encourage everybody to cry, release that negative pent up energy. Your body needs it. So I don't have an issue on days where I might need to just cry or you know scream a little bit. I live by myself. You know, get you a little pillow so you maybe don't think that. Child, I live by myself. The whole everybody about to hear this. All these four walls because I live by myself. Y'all all about to hear it. All these walls about to get all this. Seriously though, but it's almost like you get it out. And joy really does come in the morning. But where I feel my grief manifests itself, in all honesty, is like some days I just don't be motivated. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to get up. I can't organize. I can't. I might could talk to people, but as far as like the documentation side of things, like those kind of things get really hard right sometimes it's kind of like i might feel like i'm going through the motions with no light at the tunnel um but ironically enough and you know i'm me and god we we real close so i can talk about him like this but um he got jokes he do and so sometimes (laughs) now he got jokes (laughs) instead of saying god why is this happening to me you know i've really learned to say god what are you trying to show me right because one huge thing that has happened since my mom passed is that I've been tasked with dealing with people from the elementary school to my private practice or even just doing assessments for the outpatient clinic as a whole. I've been tasked with people who are dealing with grief. Right. And I think that's major, too, because I even with me with grief, I think with losing my grandmother because like she raised me and I'm her only one. It's kind of like um, that was my best friend. We talked every weekend. So now it's like, what do I do? And even six years later, I'm just like. It still, it hurts. It, it don't change. I'm still, like, feeling empty. Yeah. And it's like how, it's almost like, God, what you, what you want me to say to them? What you want me to say? <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? So, a lot of times I do feel like that. Sometimes God is speaking to me, through me, to other people, and just kind of learning how to hold on to those things. So, at the end of the day, there's always something that we can give back to other people. And that is probably the only thing that kind of keeps me motivated. So, what are, like, the best tips you would give somebody looking to seek help when it comes to, like, grief or their mental health in general um, with somebody of your caliber and expertise? So, the biggest thing is, like, learning how to be okay with the fact that you are not okay. A lot of times, so many of us, especially women, we we wear that superwoman cape. Child, I feel like that's a black folktale that we gotta break. Yeah, proudly. Even with all the holes in it, the raggedy, you know what I mean? It's falling apart. 
but we hold on to it and it's like we so badly want to be so strong that we'll just continue to run on empty and so really just allowing yourself to just kind of like sit down and like let all that out like let the tears come let the waves hit you like let all of that flow out and i think one of the most important things that we can do is learn how to tell our story right the hardest thing for me to do was to tell the story of my mother's death from start to finish. I don't even think till this day. I mean, granted, it hasn't been, we haven't even hit a year yet. But I still just cannot tell that story from start to finish and just be okay. Like, I'm still going to tear up. I'm still going to cry. I'm still going to do something. But we have to learn how to tell the story because that's when it becomes real. And a big part of grief is going through that um, cycle of acceptance. And I think that's, like, one of the things I've always questioned. Like, the five stages of grief. How accurate are these five stages that everybody keeps talking about? I'm like, y'all say it get easier as time goes by. But does it really? Because I'm be sitting there and people like, oh, yeah, just it's going to get easier. Like, my friend committed suicide. Oh, just it'll get easier. And I'm like, is it really easier, though? Like, it don't feel easier. It feels like every year gets harder and harder to push myself to want to keep going. and I think there's even a seven stages, but the five stages of grief, it is real. No stage says it's going to get easier, though. And you also have to remember that the five stages of grief do not happen um, in a continuum. There's no specific order. Right. So there's denial, there's anger, there's bargaining, there's depression. Like, none of those things can happen in a specific order. You can repeat stages. Like, I mean, there are moments of complete anger and anger for instance doesn't mean that something is wrong with you right right i can be angry that my mom won't be here whenever i settle down and get married that my mom won't be here to see me have my first child i can be angry about those things but i can be grateful that her pain is gone she's not out here together with us during covid trying to make it back and forth to chemo so you know, one thing that people have to accept is that two emotions can exist simultaneously. And that's what I always wonder. Like, can both emotions happen? Because sometimes I'd be so angry and then I'd be like, okay, I'm over it. And then I'd be go back and then I'm angry again. And I'm like, what the hell? But you have a right to be angry because at the end of the day, there's, there's a loss, right? You lost something. You lost your grandmother. You lost a friend. Like, there's a loss and there's something that you'll never be able to experience ever again. So, I can be angry about those things. It doesn't take away. And to be honest, like, sometimes scars um, from losing somebody and things like that are just a testament to how much we love them. Now, if you never cared, that's a whole nother True. conversation. True. <laughs> so... Do you feel people often judge or doubt your abilities because of your age and how young you are? Being so multifaceted and having different your hands in different pots? So when I first came into the career, yes. Um, over the last year or so, though, like, I, I, I took my own horn. Now I'm learning to pat myself on the back. And not from a, a cocky standpoint, but I've really learned how to be like, you know what, I know what I'm talking about. Or, you know, okay. I'm really like, good. I know my shit. Yeah, 
But you know, and even though I went to a predominantly white institution, that does not always prepare you to be in in rooms with all other white professionals. Being a, a triple minority, to be honest, I'm black, I'm female, and I'm the youngest person in the room. Talk about I'll, it. I'll never forget. I was somewhere, I was at some training, and someone was like, oh, you working on your, and we were talking about school, like everybody was kind of talking about how school was stressing them out. And they were like, oh, you working on your bachelor's right now? Like, what you getting? And I'm like, since I'm in school for my doctorate, don't. Don't try to play me, sis. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't come for me when like, I ain't sent for you. Up, but like, we, we go after things differently these days that we really want. And so, instead of letting people use that as a way to kind of like demean us, in a way it's just kind of like no i am who i am i, I own this right so just kind of learning to assert yourself and just being confident in your abilities really change the game when it comes to that which is true because i feel like sometimes people be like oh the age makes a factor and then at the same token it's like okay yeah i might be young but i'm not dumb like let's not sit here and let my age be a determining factor of my ability of what i can give as a service so but that's a big thing with therapy um, not to cut you off. No, you're fine. Who's considering therapy. So there are some people who don't want a therapist that's too old. There are some people who feel like, I don't want a therapist who's too young or my age because they're not really going to be able to help me. And that's not true. Because what therapy is not is giving you advice. That is not what therapy is. Right. So my job is to give you tools. is to help you process. And so I don't need to have, you know, 30 years of life experience to be able to help you process breakup but that also doesn't mean that your therapist is perfect just because they know how to utilize certain skills and teach you those skills right so just kind of i just encourage people to keep an open mind because therapy your therapeutic experience isn't based on how much of life your therapist right has experienced. right so and that brings us to my next point traumas versus triggers what what would you say like makes a difference between traumas and triggers? Because I know sometimes people are like, oh, you know, your traumas are pretty much what you've been through, but triggers are something that you're able to control based off the reaction of that trauma. So what would you say is like the line between the two that makes them different? I've actually never heard the argument of traumas and triggers before. And it could be just the way that we um, in the field define trauma. So trauma is really anything that's had a negative lasting impact on your life. Mm-hmm. So... Trauma, for instance, is and trauma is can be defined differently for different people. Right. But trauma could be, of course, going overseas during a war. Right. That's how people get PTSD. Um, trauma could be being raped. Trauma can be actually. Let's focus on that one. So me being raped as a child is a trauma. Girl, you and I both. But my a trigger then might be seeing a man in general a trigger might be anytime somebody puts their hand around my waist a trigger might so triggers are things that really um signal that fight and flight response internally right so anything that causes you to have a severe reaction to a situation or an emotion so a a trauma for lack of better words is a fact a trauma is is the actual situation that has occurred that's the trauma a trigger is anything that causes an unpositive or unpleasant arousal for you. So, some people have major triggers, some people have small ones. It could really be anything. So, like, when experiencing grief, right? Uh, any type of death is traumatic. Period. So losing a mother is 
traumatizing. I don't know how you and my LS do it because the strength y'all have after both of y'all losing y'all moms, I'll be sitting there looking like, wow, and y'all still have smiles on your face and still go through each day like... You don't have no choice but to wake up, but the trigger for me that, that happened the other day, and, and triggers can catch you off guard because if you, once I explain it to you, this low-key had nothing to do with my mom, right? Well, it did, but um, she, well, my mom did hospice in my home, so she did two days of hospice in my home before she passed. And the company that dropped off, like the bed, the oxygen tank and all mm-hmm. that, was called Signature. So I knew what their logo looked like. So I was in Crofton on the highway, and there was a signature truck in front of me. And I was like, what the <laughs> That logo, you know what I mean? It just was like, yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, because on a regular basis, I don't think about my mom being down the hallway in that room. Right. But I saw that signature truck. But then a trigger could literally be hearing her favorite song on the radio. So Yo, those be the worst. Are really just anything that might ignite an unpleasant response internally. So, given that you are like myself, a rape victim, and you were and you experienced at such a young age, do you feel that plays like a big part as to why you also wanted to go ahead and be focused on mental health and help people? Because you probably didn't get that help available to you when it happened. Oh no, no, so I don't want to take that away from you. I was just using that as an example. Oh, okay, okay. different things in our lives that cause that push us a certain way um how we how we deal with anything pushes us into the field that we are in so to be honest there are plenty of social workers out here who were foster kids at one point in their life so it's like i want to give back to the people who gave so much to make sure that i had a healthy family right um and even when i think about some you know people who i've worked with i mean those were literally my babies just like who are victims of trafficking and rape or something like that. I literally watched these girls grow up and be on completely different ends of the spectrum. Like, there's one girl who, um, for lack of better words, uh, well, okay, in her mind, she would prostitute herself. But she was really being trafficked based on her age. Wow. another girl... Is that something that's like brainwashed in them by their traffickers for them to think that? Or is that just like probably something on her own that she just thought? So, well, both. Because that's what I was getting to. Like how we really decide to internalize our, our traumas, right? Depicts how we go about things. So I had, I had one little girl who was raped. And so she would cover herself up. She wasn't comfortable with men. For a very long time, and even when she did get a boyfriend, she was like, mm, "Don't touch me!" Like I tell you when to touch. You know what I mean? Oh, I already when know that. That was me. Yeah, yeah. But other people can see the promiscuous, um, being promiscuous, as a way to regain power. Okay, I can be sexual, but these are my terms. Right. I'm doing. You know, you I'm running this. So it, it, yeah. So it's a, it's a huge spectrum of how people they either run to it or run away from it but the spectrum in which they fall on is, is pretty big so now that we've talked about that and given that you know mental health is not something that's talked about enough in the black community or even that in general when it comes to like like you said you had watch kids who have went made a three complete 360 and changed their whole path of life given that their traumas haven't made you know what i'm saying made them deter to do being what they want to be 
what do you feel is the main reason why mental health is not something that's really talked about? Like, don't get me wrong. Yes, God is always a factor that you want to go to, something you want to talk about. He's going to always come through and pray. But I feel like sometimes you need like a physical presence for somebody who is a third party and specialize into something to actually get the tools you need through your earthly, through, through the earthly realm to kind of go through the day to day. So why do you feel like sometimes black America just doesn't want to? Because I know my mom's the main one. She's like, you want to therapy for what? Like, just talk to God about it. Okay, that's cool. But sis, the trauma I've had in my life, God can help. But I need to find the tools to be able to help myself so I'm not toxic to the world. Which is very true. So I think it's a double-edged sword when we consider. And when you think about the millennial generation as a whole, um, mental health is talked about a lot more but still not enough. Right. Sometimes mental health is also used as a, as a, as a popularity thing you know there's t-shirts on that say like f my anxiety or and so in a way you're kind of making it known like oh yes i have anxiety or yes i have adhd but it's also like what are we doing about it and so i think that when it comes to god for instance we the same way we might believe that god has equipped the surgeon to know what he is doing when you under the knife okay god has individuals to be skilled to give you practical skills to work on to help to rebuild you heal you well for to help you heal yourself honestly because therapy doesn't mean that once you finish the process like everything is going to be great right right it's just teaching us how to when the emotions come what do i do with them right how do i process them and then how do i just make sure any unpleasant feeling that i have i, I know how to mitigate that right so given that oh go ahead i don't want to cut you off go ahead So I know recently I did a little bit of research and I seen like in 2015, it's only 4%. It was only 4% of African-Americans in the field of mental health. Now, I know this is Mental Health Awareness Month and it's been established for like a while, since like 1949. And I know this month's theme is like for mind, for body. Um, and it was like tools to thrive. What's your um, input on that, on this year's theme, given it's focused on more so around the unprecedented world pandemic that we got going on? So I truly believe in four mind, four body. I don't think that people truly, like, physical health is mental health. Mental health is physical health. Like, I don't think people really realize how the two coincide with each other. When we think about the body's natural fight and flight response, well, if you research, and I know this is going to be a big word for some people, if you look up, it's called the polyvagal theory. It talks about our vagus nerve system. And basically, anytime we are under any amount of stress, your anything that happens in the mind, anything that you feel just, your body is equally going through that emotion. So if we don't learn how to um, regulate our nervous system, if we don't know what somatic symptoms we might be experiencing when going through a panic attack, if we don't know how to read our bodies like where does happiness live in my body where does sadness live in my body where right. does my whole stress if we don't fully learn our bodies anxiety i mean any mental health disorder honestly can sneak attack you because your body is, is out here giving you warning signs and just like how i talked about crying so a lot of times when we produce a stress hormone your body is now in overdrive and you need to release that releasing that energy could be crying it could be screaming into a pillow it could be running Whatever it is, though, you need to physically do something to release mm. inside of you. And so we can't keep ignoring the fact that they go hand in hand. Mm. 
And I feel like with this pandemic, it's more so crucial, especially because we're still in the pandemic. And it's, you know, May's about to end with mental health. I don't think a lot of people even know it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Like, I think a lot of people who are just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's May, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, it's kind of like a crucial. And I think for me, it's major because the month of May has been crazy. Um, and it's been crazy for the past two years, given the fact that last year, May, my friend committed suicide. Two years before that, another friend got killed on a motorcycle accident. Then my uncle just passed away on Tuesday. So it's like everything's back to back. So I know me being a usually, you know, me formally being a suicide, a suicidal person, having suicidal thoughts. I'm, I'm like, all right, well, what's the tools that I've taken from therapy that can be able to help me gear and get this frustration out. So I'm like, all right, so let me go box. All right, let me go run. Let me go do something. Let me journal. Let me write somebody a letter. Like, so it's like the proper tools to realize, okay, what's causing, what's triggering me to feel like, dang, this this is something, you know, grief is going on, but what's triggering me to feel like, yo, dang, like, I don't got no purpose. I don't got no reason to be here. What am I here for? You know what I'm saying? Like, which is another reason why I was like, I had to find this podcast. So May is a, is a trigger month for you. Period. You know what I mean? Period. Last week of April, so my mom's birthday was April, it's April 30th, so that's my first birthday without her first birthday without her being here. So you take April 30th and then Mother's Day is May 10th. Girl, by May 5th, I was losing my, I was losing it. My friends like, you were real snappy, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Maybe it's my monthly, maybe it's, but really it was my body for that was building up this anger. Mm-hmm. Right? And when we don't necessarily recognize things as sadness, we chuck it off to something else we don't deal with it and so a lot of people think things like deep breathing and taking a run or listening to music are that's stupid that's so cliche and it's like no the reason that it's not is because trust me if you can see what the inside of your body looks like go all the way back to when we used to watch osmosis jones right? oh you took it back with osmosis <laughs> what that was my whole childhood right there and the adventures in there and the magic school bus Heard you. The body. Like, if you if you think you stress, man, your body, the insides of your body, they cranking out, you know, something serious. Like, it's a lot going on, and it's this built up pressure, and your body needs a release. How are we going to release this energy? So, anything, even though you think that some things, you know, feel stupid or whatever, you might feel relieved even just after stretching. Shoot, after crying, you to release something. Like, Child. give your body that relief. Like, don't just close it all up and figure it out. Like, I know one thing now that I have to remind myself of. We all know that inhale, right? Like, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt so angry? Like, you feel yourself getting tight or whatever? Child intensity be real. I literally have to say, exhale, Brianna. Like, exhale. Like, breathe out. Why do we keep taking so much in with life and we don't ever let nothing else go? So, it's like, make sure that you are exhaling. Literally, we take so much in on a daily basis, and we never. It's all, we feel like we have this infinite amount of space. Right. Home. I don't know why. I think it also, like you said, it comes back to the whole thing of growing up in Black America, and especially as females, like you got to be strong. Oh, my mom told me she was like, "Oh yeah, you got to be strong for your aunt." Because my uncle just, girl, I'm not being, I don't got to do nothing but sit here and take it and grieve as I choose. Like I'm not. That's not my job. That's not my job. And I can't take on that responsibility. And I think that also came with, like, therapy. Like, learning to find my voice. Like, okay. Because being raped, you you kind of lose your voice. And especially if you're at a young age, you kind of just feel like, ain't nobody really listening to me. It's like you feel like you damaged goods. Like a dense it can. But on the inside, you still have green beans that are perfectly fine. You still might be a broken crayon. But you still can color. You can still color. 
So it's kind of like you just got to find within yourself, like, what you going to do about it? Like, are you going to sit here and just be like, okay, I'm going to take it for what it is and just not have a voice and just be quiet? But are you just going to sit here and talk? And you might not know who you may be reaching in the process. Like, it's just like, that's something I'm on. I was like, well, I don't understand. Like, well, where you learn that from? I'm like, therapy. What, what are the odds? What are the odds, Jackie? Therapy taught me this. Therapy. It's true, though. Because we can, I mean, you literally just cannot take on everything else. You can't. We aren't that strong. It's impossible. Because it's like, and I feel like the people who take on everything are the strong friend, as people say, are always the friend that is like, did you check on the strong friend today? Because giving, they always there for you. They always got your back. They always able to hear. They always got the word. But they go through life too. So you taking the time to just be like, hey, yo, so-and-so, you good? Because my friends swear I'm invincible. I'd be like, listen, um, baby girl, I I go through stuff. And I've learned through that through therapy as well, learning to communicate effectively. Like, I'll tell my friends ahead of time, like, yo, I just, you know, it's about that time. I, the anniversary of my friend's death. I might not be as communicating as much. I might not be receptive. I may be brief. Not saying I owe you explanation, but just so you're aware to not make it feel like it's personally you that's done something. I just know myself so it's just a respect factor to be like hey yo right now ain't the time to talk i don't want to be bothered and you have to we have to learn how to communicate our needs i mean it's one of the toughest things sometimes but it's it's so worth it and the thing is because it's not common it could come across as like wait you want me to do what exactly i had a friend whose mom was sick with cancer wow and so after my mom passed from cancer right she was sometimes she's used excuse me we're just so used to talking all the time about everything right and so after my mom passed she would ask me first she would be like hey i'm having a bad day with reference to mommy and because i knew you know i knew what that meant since her mom had cancer but she would every time just she would say are you in a space to talk about thank you thank you i'm so glad you say that i am so glad you said that b because we're not used to that level of courage hello I do that now all the time. And when I seen that, I'm glad you said that. Because when I seen that, I know for me, I'll be like, people, somebody asked me sometimes, I was like, can you ask me first if I have the mental capacity to want to talk? Because then if I just ignore you, you're going to feel away. But you're not even asking me, am I emotionally available to listen or be open to take on whatever you're telling me? Because you don't know what my day could be like. And I do that with my LS all the time. She'll be like, why are you asking me? I'll be like, because like, I don't know what your day is like. I'm not with you. And you might be going through a day where you just feel like, Fuck you. I, I'm focusing on me. And you have every right to do that. You yeah. have every right. But I, like you said, people don't have that communication anymore. Yep. People don't have it. Capacity is everything. And so that's definitely a skill that I think that we all need to learn. Like asking somebody, do, or do you have the capacity for this right now? Right. And if you don't, it's okay. Because you're, obli- you're not obliged. That's tiring. I've learned to tell people, please stop calling me that. <laughs> Listen, I understand y'all want to say I'm strong, but enough is enough. I'm okay. tired. Tired. Like, you, you said you, we a vessel, but Lord, listen, listen, I'm tired. You know, it's okay to be tired. But like you said, you also can't, if you, if I don't have the mental capacity, you can't pour from an empty cup. If I'm trying to recharge and refuel myself, I'm no good to you if I'm still trying to get myself together. And I be having to explain that to people all the time, like, okay, I'm recharging. Well, what does that mean? Just like how you wouldn't let your phone die and you going to want to recharge that, do the same thing with your energy and your, your mental and your mindset. Like, you just can't just go on E24-7 and just think like, oh, the, the battery never going to die. Uh, No, nigga. 
fucking work that way. And let's be real, let the iPhone die. That joke is not coming right back on. Hello? It got to sit there for at least a good five, ten seconds before you even see the little logo. And even still then, you're not really even in your phone until you put in that passcode. Yeah, so it's like you let an iPhone get empty, then you really SOL. But you know, when we feel like people are supposed to listen to us, we really got to check our own egos. Right. That is the selfish of us at work trying to get our own needs met. And yes, while we have to take care of ourselves and put ourselves first, we, at the end of the day, it's not always about us. It's not. But I know, like, right now, suicide is, like, a main attention draw where it comes to prevention amongst, like, Hispanics and Blacks are, like, not really the focus of that. But a lot of kids between, like, the ages, like, 5 to, like, 15 are, like, I feel the, the, the spectrum's getting lower and lower for kids who are committing suicide. And it's scary as hell to witness. So what is your take on that? Like, does that ever come across your mind? Like, maybe one of my patients might do this. Maybe this might be a thought in their mind. Or, like, do you ever think that maybe kids might be out there when you were, you know, working on a spectrum of CPS? Like, did that ever something, like, that could ever come across your mind that that might be something that they may be thinking? Yeah, that's the worst question to ask me. Um, And I only say that because of my... <laughs> But I know I get judged a lot for my opinions about suicide. However, without so for instance, thirteen reasons why I can't stand. Well, it. we being oh, real, we being real here. So just go ahead and keep it honey. <laughs> um, I personally feel like if somebody truly, truly, truly wants to commit suicide, they're not going to tell you. And so when you have people that's kind of like throwing it in your face, they are looking. They're looking for you to save them. Right. And when, and when I say that, it could be anything. There's this guy, oh, I can't think of his last name, but it's a famous guy who's a bipolar, he's bipolar depression. Um, his first name is Kevin, but he was going to, he jumped off the Golden Great Bridge. And he survived. You know, they actually nicknamed that bridge Suicide Bridge. They have a police unit whose job just is to circle the bridge collecting bodies because people commit suicide off that bridge. Wow. Story I heard him in person before speak. He was. He I know who you're talking about. If he wasn't feeling life, and he said, "If somebody just says shows that they care about me, then somebody just says hi, ask me how you doing, I won't jump." Right? And the one person who said something to him on the bridge was a foreign Vietnamese couple who said, "Take our picture, please." Wow. Still, nobody cared. And because of that, he stood up on that bridge and he jumped. That's some serious shit. And was, you know, the fact that he didn't die is like... Word, because that bridge mad high, yo. I mean, and the impact? Forever. The impact all, all of that, but he did not die. And so it's just, you know, so when we think about that, it's like if somebody, if somebody is telling you, that is your opportunity to be attentive. That is your opportunity not to assume, oh, you need to go talk to somebody. No, no, no. That is your opportunity to say, what do you need from me? Exactly. Tell me what's going on. That is the time for us to be an ear. That is the time for us to, you know, talk about it. But then when friends do duck off, because a lot of times if I am, if I do really want to commit suicide, I'm not telling you too much because I don't need you trying to stop me. Hello? So when friends duck off or we don't hear from people or whatever, um, you know, when we don't hear from people, then that you need to check in. And I say that regularly because when my friend did it last year, she, it wasn't no, like, she posted a picture 
It was something like, yeah, when I die, use this picture on your social media. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, yo, you good? And she never responded. And then when I hear, like, randomly, she committed suicide a week or so later, it's just like, well, what the hell just... But she posted, like, I'm done on her Instagram IG. Like, I'm done dealing with people. I'm done living anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, she was gone. And I'm like, shit. Like, and it's just crazy because it was just like... I just spoke to you, dude. But clearly, like you said, you don't. If you really want to do it, you're not gonna let nobody know. That's what you're about to do. So, given that suicide is something, and you like how you have giving your part, I know that now because of pandemic, you're probably doing a lot of virtual sessions with your your patients. How's that been going for you? Is it? Do you find it easier? Is it more difficult? Or it depends. So I've had, I've lost some clients. Because they don't want to do virtual. I have some clients who have been fine with the transition. I have some clients who are like, oh, we home. I don't got nothing but time. Let's beat this up. Okay. Some clients more. So I'm fine with it. Um, I think it's a little harder for some clients to have breakthrough moments. Like mm-hmm. aha, epiphany moments. But we, I mean, we working through it. So I did a little research and I see like Dr. Solomon Fuller was like the first psychiatrist. Do you have? And then there was also Dr. Mamie Phipps Clark, which is like the first African-American woman to earn her doctorate. Do you have anybody that you feel is a role model for you or you kind of have as a motivation to keep you pushing in your field? Do you have somebody who's kind of like a motivation or inspiration to you to keep you pushing in your field? Your purpose. And that no one can really take that away. Yeah. Because if you ask me to call a famous psychologist or a social worker. I oh, girl, I ain't doing look. I ain't doing all that. Like, listen, we already know you out here doing the damn thing because you out here doing the damn thing. So I was waiting for you to say myself, honestly. That might be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you to say myself. I'm my inspiration. I'm my motivation because I'm not just letting nothing pass me by. Any opportunity, you're not letting opportunities pass you by. You're creating them. So I, I was waiting for you to say that. Your heart. You know what I mean? Because I never imagined myself working with kids. But when I say I love my kids from the foster kids I used to have, from my group home babies to my elementary school kids now, it's like we are, I, I think that people like me, um, and I don't want to say like us because that might be an assumption, but like we are still a privileged people. Like me doing home investigation stuff and seeing the level of poverty, like this is this is what my kids are going home to. Right. You know what I mean? Like these are the streets that you walk in. Like it's it's no joke when we say they can't step over dead bodies or overdose bodies daily walking. And it's casual. It's normal to them. And that's crazy. It's crazy, and I feel like even I feel like you probably in the in the what is it? Do they call, do they call y'all? No, they, I think the murder capital is in Wilmington or what they call. Who knows? But I know DC has a lot of you know deaths that happen regularly on a regular basis, and it's crazy to even when I be looking at little kids and they just be like, 
outside when I even go back home to New York and just be outside chilling and it's just like, yo, you right in front of a crack house, it don't pay you don't think nothing nothing of it. Like that's just common to you. Like and I know I'm I'm late to the party, but I just watched the wire and to see like little kids really was out here shooting and killing and selling drugs. Like it was nothing and it was just natural to them. And then you had parents that were pushing their kids to be drug dealers just to have money. That shit is bananas to me. I'm like, oh, so nobody gonna call CPS on this bitch? For real, for real? Okay, so nobody was... They're like, oh, well, nobody... We, they too afraid to come in the neighborhood. Which is like, damn, this is what we've come to? So it's like, what do you feel as you're... This, you know, and this is your purpose. What do you feel your impact can be to make the change that you want to see? To be honest, I think that... I just... I think that if we start to really just kind of show children that they are loved, I mean, that is connected to everything. Like, I tell my kids all the time, I love you, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're handsome. And not in, like, this cliche way, but really, like, when I have conversations with them, I just remind you, all right, well, Miss Finley loves you. Or sometimes they joke, they're like, ew, what's that mean? Or I ask my kids all the time, like, what you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, I feel like with me, when I was younger, we used to say stuff like, oh, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a lawyer. Bruh, these kids these days are really saying... You know, I want to play football. Oh, I want to work at, at the shoe store. Or, and if those really weren't our dreams. And so sometimes they just don't know how to name that. I have a kid who would come in my office and he would build the mess out them Lincoln Logs. And he's like, oh, you know, I just want to work at the 7 Eleven when I get older. Right. So, you know what the architect is? So, like, just kind of really trying to expose them right. to different things. Like, literally just being able to invest in a child. Like, just teaching people the importance of investing in teenagers, being a mentor, even if it's somebody your own age. Like, the only thing that people really need from you is time. Okay, say it again. It's better than money. It's all you need. Mm-hmm. Period. And I don't think people lose the sight of that. Like, how precious time is. Like, I know as a kid, like, I remember a lot of times when my dad would say he'd come pick me up and never came pick me up. But all I really wanted was time. So now it's like, when he older, he like, oh, he want to spend time. I'm like, oh, player, remember, like, I'm not going to forget the time you really didn't have for me because you wanted to chase a chick. So, now I'm good. But you know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff is like, and I'm about to be 30. I still remember stuff like that. Like, distinctly to the days, the weekends, and everything. And it was kind of like, now that I'm older, it's like, you don't realize how much that can affect a child's future and how they are with individuals and people and their personalities. Like, I know I, for a long time, I was standoffish. I was evil. I was mean because I'm just like... Okay, my dad's not shit. All niggas ain't shit. Period. He not shit. So the rest of y'all niggas not shit neither. So what do I have to look forward to? Because I didn't have a mole. And if it wasn't for my uncle who just passed away to show me the mole of what it is to be to see a black man do right by their kids, do right by their woman, be in the church, actually be God fearing. It's kind of like, well, then that gave me a different perspective. Maybe there are some good men out here. But he always gave me his time. So it was never where he like giving. He would spend money, but it was more so time like. Just know your worth, Jess. Never forget where you came from. Just know how you should be treated. If I never would have had that, I probably would just be out here like, all right, well, fuck niggas. Keep, 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 get money. That's it. Like, that's all I'm going to chase. I'm not going to lie to you, Jess. I, the one thing that hurt my feelings, the girl who I mentioned earlier who was trafficked, um, but she just saw herself as kind of prostitute. And I remember one day she was leaving my office and, you know, I'm going to just use the made up name, Juju. But I was like, I love you, Juju. And she was like, don't tell me that. And she said it with this huge attitude. But because I get right with my kids the same way they talk to me, I was like, why? And she was like, there's no way you can love me when I don't love myself. When I tell you I felt my heart break in my chest, 
when it's just like somebody been not telling you that. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's already been a lot of people in your life who, who didn't see a, a value in you or just, ugh. Yeah, it's, it's just really about giving people your time and being consistent. And so many kids out here or even teenagers, young adults, are so used to people leaving them. Okay. Big time. Whether that be like physically walking out their lives or by death, like that's yeah. what they're used to. So let's 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 not show up if we don't plan on staying. Let's not, you know, uh, another example is that like so many times people say how you doing and we say fine, right? And we be lying through our teeth. Hell yeah. But the whole thing is, but what happens on a day where I don't say fine? What happens on a day where I say something else? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? And I, I really stand by that statement. I stand by what you said, though. Like, don't come into a kid's life if you're not going to be consistent. Like, I have, I've like, like you, I mentored a little girl. And I've watched her go from being 12 years old, giving attitude for days, saying she never want to go to college, never want to do nothing with herself. She was just going to go ahead and just try to get money whatever way she can. She was never going to college. Do you know this girl just last week graduated with a master's in social work? beat the odds, was in forced to care, and pretty much basically about to go make something better herself and be out there to help kids that were like her. To see that transition over these nine years and just know that I've always, even when she pushed me away, I'm not going nowhere. Try again with somebody else. I'm here for the long haul. And to this day, it warms my heart when she's like, yo, thank you for always believing me and showing me my worth. Thank you for always feeling like I had value to this world even when I couldn't see it for myself. Stuff like that is touching to know and it makes you feel rewarded because it's kind of like, well, damn, that that little girl, and I didn't even know you cared that much. She was like, no, for real. Like, I cherish you because a lot of people just walked out. They came in and they were gone. And that's what just made me have trust issues. Be like, well, what's the point of you being here? Like, when I call you, you're not there. Like, she used to run away from home and run to my apartment. I'm like, girl, you know you can't be here. Well, I ain't got nobody else to go. And I know you're never by heart, so I know you was going to be home. But you knew this because you trusted me. You knew this because I gave you my word and I stood on my word and my word was bond. And I was consistent. But people be thinking like, oh, you know, let me just go ahead and step in. Oh, I'm going to do my little mentorship and then, you know, I'm done now. No, that's not how this works. (laughs) If you're not going to follow through or follow up, get the fuck. Period. But B, what would you have as a be real bomb as our last I guess, word of advice for people when it comes to mental health? Mm, be honest with yourself. Be Learn how to deepen your emotional vocabulary. Too many times we play it safe. We use words like, I'm feeling sad or I'm upset. No, if you devastated, then you devastated. Right. Because I can't be honest with myself. If I can't communicate with myself, how on earth am I going to be able to have a conversation with somebody else? How am I going to be able to set a boundary, maintain a boundary, if I don't know how to be honest with myself about what it is important and what it is I'm feeling? So right now, being home in the pandemic, a lot of people, the silence is loud as hell. Okay. It's a little too loud. I'm like, can you turn the volume down just a little bit? Okay. (laughs) We have nothing left but our thoughts. But guess what? Those thoughts have been there. You just had so much noise in your life drowning it out. Preach. It's okay to not be able to do that for so long. But get some paper out, write it down so that later when you do got some time, you can try to find the root. Because if we keep pulling the weeds, guess what? They're going to pop up every couple of weeks in our front yard, right? But when we go down and we pluck something at the root, that's when it's gone. So as these thoughts keep getting louder during the pandemic, jot them down. Don't forget them and start trying to figure out what's the root of this problem so that you can fix it. So 
Well, B, I appreciate you so much. FYI, B is my soul too. Hello, you know, out here in these streets. Period. Okay. But I appreciate you. I cherish you. And I thank you for even being, giving me the time today, you know, chatting it up with me and giving us some more insight. You know, because, you know, mental health is major. And people don't give enough, put enough respect on his name. They gonna learn today. They gonna learn in this pandemic, damn it, because they ain't gonna have no choice. Okay. But thanks. I got you. You just let me know. If your followers have questions, again, you can follow me at Therapy. So T H E R A B E E with two underscores. Just DM me. I'm I am completely open to answering any questions that you might have. All right, y'all. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard B. Y'all can go ahead hit her up. So as I always say on air, let's be real. And as always, be real, be true, and be unapologetically you. Talk to y'all later.